This is Performance Deliver, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast. Today, we're bringing you a new episode from our series, Polishing Your Digital Marketing. Here with me is Sean Walker, who is the VP of Strategy at Symphonic Digital. He is the mind behind all the great digital marketing campaigns we develop for our clients. Sean, thanks for joining me again. Good to be here. Well, obviously, today we decided to talk about um, leveraging Google Discovery Ads. Last May, Google announced Discovery Ads at their Google Marketing Live event. Originally, it was only available to beta testers. However, in April this year, they made it available for everyone. So obviously, because it's a new ad format, we thought it would be great to talk about it, to share the knowledge that we've collected over the last couple of months with our listeners. So, Sean, let's start off with talking about what are Google Discovery Ads? Yeah, no worries. So let's break down what Google Discover is first. So Google Discover is a placement on, if you have, let's say, a Google Pixel, if you go to the left of your phone, let's say, when you scroll over, that's your Discover feed. It's similar to Facebook's feed, right, where based off of your search history, based off of what websites you go to, based off of your logged in information and, and um, other triggers like your demographic, things like that, then the feed is going to be catered to what you like, right? Mm-hmm. And you can go in there and if you don't like an article, you can say, exclude me out of this. And over time, it's going to optimize a feed that's, that's really relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just that, right? So it's not just the Google Discover feed on Android phones, but if you have an iOS, let's say like a, um, <clears throat> you know, an iPhone, if you have the Google app, there's also a, a little icon that says Google Discover, right? So it's not just for Android, it's for iOS yeah. as well. So a lot of people, I don't even think, know they're on Google Discover when they're on it. But like I said, it's it's very similar to Facebook, except you don't get the feed coming from your buddies, right? It's pretty much all mm. articles, blogs, things like that. So yeah. uh, to me, in my opinion, it's a little bit cleaner uh, for what you need. Yeah, there's a, obviously there's a distinction, right? If you want to get news information, um, so discovery feed might be what you should be using if you want to see what your client, uh, what your clients, what your friends are doing, and you want a mixture of information, then Facebook probably suits you better. Right, exactly. And you know, if you want like a funny story or something like that, because what what I've seen is, I almost would say that Google Discovery placement is more like LinkedIn. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because LinkedIn is a little bit more professional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I'd go there, or maybe it's a blend between Facebook and LinkedIn where. You, you can get some funny stories or some good YouTube videos and things like that, but it's also mixed in with content that really matters to you. That isn't from random people or your, your buddies, but you know, on, on top of that too, it's not just the, the discover feed. So Google discovery ads package in this discover feed with YouTube and mm-hmm. Gmail's where as well. So they used to split this out just the same as they had universal app campaigns where they tried to squeeze everything together, right? You'd have yeah. app extensions, you would have YouTube as well with universal um, and display. This is Google's version of that in a sense, right? Where 
if you buy discovery ads, you can show up on the discover feed, you can show up on YouTube, and you could show up in Gmail under the um, sponsored promotions, right? The promotions tab. So they kind of aggregate everything. And I, I don't believe that there's a way to exclude YouTube or Gmail yet, but maybe in future iterations, you'll you'll have like placement exclusion. It's, it's, it's almost like that you can select the, the network from where you want to or where you want to engage with people, whether it's only YouTube or Gmail or the Discover feed. Right. And I mean, that sounds better to me, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I know when Google rolls out products like this, it's, it's pretty broad to begin with. Yeah. And then they give you more features, right? Depending on if it works well, because we've also seen prod products like this disappear because they just didn't go well. Yeah, it makes sense that they have more areas where basically, you know, their, their discovery ads are displayed because I would assume that the universe of people that use the discovery feed is probably more limited to Android users. And then the question is how many of Android users are actually you know, using discovery feeds, although it's available on iOS. The question really becomes how known is that, as you said earlier. So having having YouTube as well as Gmail in there as as, as kind of a network where ads could be or are displayed definitely gives them more reach. Right. Yeah, and that's probably why they did that. Yeah. Okay. So so we talked about where are they visible? Is there any statistics available on what the what the inventory opportunities are? Does that matter or differ a lot? industry and the type of offering that you promote? To be candid, I'm not quite sure what the universe is for like how many impressions you can get for mm -hmm. Google Discover. I mean, including YouTube, uh, you know, YouTube is, I think, in the top three search engines. So you can imagine the volume is enormous yeah. if you decide to target everybody, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, this Discover feed, because it's it's kind of a new thing and the Gmail sponsored promotions, I mean, that doesn't really pop up into your inbox unless you actually look at the promotions tab and, and decide to click on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, off the top of my head, I'd say Google Discover is probably somewhere in the middle of yeah. YouTube and Gmail, right? And the inventory is, uh, it's, it's a bit different with how it shows up, right? So the ads on Google Discover are, are native, right? Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't be able to tell uh, unless you just see the ads icon, right? So that that's kind of the same as Gmail as well. They have the ad icon and the same as YouTube. So this is really, it's it's native advertising. They're just calling it something different. Yeah, it nicely blends in with, with the rest of the content that is being displayed. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we obviously have display ads on on YouTube. How do these discovery ads differ from from those kind of display ads uh, in regards to you know pricing for example or maybe even how they're i mean you said they're they're native and they look like integrated but from a pricing perspective how are they different yeah so let's talk about targeting for a second so sure. targeting is the same right so you you have demographic targeting you have in market audience targeting you have search keyword targeting you you have to you know, customize that and build that out. But sure. the same targeting that's available for display is available for Discover. So 
one for one. The creative is totally different, right? So you don't necessarily have as much control over Google Discover ads, just the same as Facebook, right? They have their certain ad units and you have to stick to that. Where mm-hmm. Google Display Network or GDN, there's so many different sizes that you know you have you can have like a thousand different iterations, right? The difference I think there is it just looks better. If you use mm-hmm. the same ad in GDN as you did on Google Discover, it just looks more premium. Premium. It looks mm-hmm. it looks nicer, regardless of what your creative is. It's just the the um the boundaries that you can work in are a bit better where GDN is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, on top of that too, it's 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 where you're posting it, right? Google D- Discover versus uh, GDN, it, it's it's vast. GDN could show up on a bunch of random sites, maybe that you don't want to be in, and you have to have placement exclusions and things like that. So, I would say the inventory of Google Discover is a lot more premium. Where GDN, you have to kind of know what you're doing to show up on sites that have better quality. Uh, you know, if if you're like me, if you've ever gone to a site that's a bit of clickbait. You might see a GDN ad kind of poke up at the mm. bottom that just looks crappy, or you know, you try to close the box out and it doesn't close. That is where we come into some, you know, issues where I think actually, actually, Google Discover does a little bit better. Yeah. So that's that's creative. That's targeting. The next is bidding, right? So where it differs here is Google Discover is kind of on autopilot, where you have two settings where you can target a cost per customer acquisition, right? So a CPA, mm-hmm. or you can maximize conversions. And I will probably caveat both of those to death because if you have, let's say a hundred dollar daily budget, if you maximize conversions, it can go over this. That's one thing I don't think people realize is Google will do what it takes in the beginning to kind of machine learn, right? Figure mm-hmm. it out. And if it costs more to do so, it will do it. You know, you could spend two hundred or three hundred dollars in some cases. Yeah, um, Sean, just to, sorry to jump in here, but sure. You know, when we talk about machine learning, there's, there's obviously one important factor here, which is data, right? In order for for a system, for a software to start learning and optimizing and getting the most out of out of a budget, it needs a sufficient amount of data to function well. Um, and I assume that's that's one of the reasons why you know this budget topic you just talked about you know, exists because otherwise if you spend a really small amount, it might take you forever to, to allow the system to have the right information to make decisions on what works best. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So that, that depends what vertical you're in too, right? If you're, if you're selling, well, especially in this time right now, if you're selling, you know, premium airline seats to Dubai right now or something like that, and you only get one conversion a day and, and you celebrate, Versus, you know, something on on Amazon, let's say, you know, uh, trash bags, something that isn't as involved, you might get 100 conversions a day. So you're right in that it would figure out the trash bag scenario much quicker than it would do by airline tickets. So in that case, it might take the system, you know, a day or two to figure out versus a couple weeks. And in those couple weeks, you might waste a, a ton of dollars trying to get there. So that is a huge factor. 
yeah. to consider, yeah. um, you I know, mean, when doing these kind of auto autopilot um, tests. Yeah. I mean, what you just said kind of brings up the next question. It's like, so who is this for? Based on, you know, based on the fact that this is a system that needs data to make smart decision and generate, you know, um, reasonable cost per acquisition or whatever the goal is. It, it might not work for for every for every industry for every company that that you know that ad format, right? And let's have deep pockets. Exactly, you know, or or let's just say, even though it's working with conversions, say you just want awareness. It's not to say you you can't have a, a CPA goal and just you know put it up to the sky mm-hmm. and get a bunch of um, impressions. You know, uh, yeah. l- l- let's do like three scenarios. Let's say you're promoting a movie. Mm-hmm. right where the click isn't as important right if you're saying the new batman is coming out on july 2021 that's it that's kind of all you need to tell people and they'll go out and buy tickets mm-hmm. um you know it's it's not the same as you need to click to go to a website to purchase something right um maybe people buy tickets online but for the most part it's just kind of an update it's more of an awareness play mm-hmm. versus let's talk about e-commerce, right? Say you need to buy some, I don't know, let's say gardening tools. You want to buy a shovel <laughs> and there's a, a a site that sells all kinds of shovels. In that case, you might be going for, you know, a positive return on ad spend, which this doesn't have that feature, right? So you kind of have to reverse engineer your math to figure out, well, what should my CPA be to get a profitable return on ad spend versus a third scenario, which is say I work in real estate and I'm trying to get leads to, to lease out uh, you know, a house, an apartment, something like that, where it, it's not e-commerce. It's more how many leads can I get? And I want to maximize my leads within a given budget. Then I'm thinking something like this fits a little bit better because it fits the parameters of the CPA targeting and it's premium as well, right? Yeah. But the caveat, like before, when we're talking about data, is you can't do it for someone who gets one lead a day. This is probably not gonna gonna work that way. You probably want this product to work for high volume leads, mm-hmm. right? That nece- that don't necessarily have a dollar amount attached to them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I interrupted you earlier when you were talking about um, ad bidding options. And I think, you, you know, you, you started off talking about target CPA. I just want to, you know, before we move on to the next point, I just want to go back to that part. So, Sean, one bidding option, target CPA. Can you, can you give a little bit more information about that? If you're targeting a CPA, you know, you can set it at $5, $10, $100, right? You have to know you almost have to know what you've been operating at to set what your goal is. Or like we said before, you have to reverse engineer to figure out when is it profitable. That's important to know, you know, when running a lead program, because you have to figure out what's the average lifetime value of my consumer, right? From there, you can kind of reverse engineer and say at at a target acquisition, maybe it's, you know, $10, uh, or maybe it's hundred dollars. Point is, is you have to figure that out ahead of time. You can't just guess and throw a number in there because um, that's that's not really going to work for you. At the same time, you kind of have to compare it to what else is working. If you know 
your CPA for Facebook is $10. You might want to have a program that mimics that or mirrors that. And then you could put $10 in Google discovery ads, right? Or sorry, a $10 target. It, it really depends what you're going for. Or if this is the sole placement, this is the only tactic you're doing and you don't have any idea of average lifetime value or anything, what you might want to do is start with a lower cost per action or cost per acquisition and maybe raise it up every week to figure out, okay, when am I going to start showing? Because a lot of times if you bid too low, you just won't, you won't show up. So there's a lot of scenarios. I guess it's not like a, a clean answer, but it's, it's best if you have data before you start doing this to figure it out. This makes it really important for companies to make sure that they have their math right. I mean, we, we talk to a lot of companies throughout a week about their challenges, et cetera. And, and I mean, I wouldn't say all the time, but a high number of companies, they struggle a little bit identifying this cost pair acquisition, you know, how much can they afford to get a new customer, et cetera. So it, it feels like that's another point in time where companies really need to make sure they got their numbers correct. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's even outside of this, right? It's just good to know what your goals are. And it sounds kind of crazy for me to even say that right now. But a lot of the times people don't know, they don't have goals. They just want to try something new, Yeah, uh, which isn't great. It's it's better to spend the time to figure out where you can be profitable. That, you mm -hmm. know, what's, your, what's your CPA to make you profitable or what's your return on ad spend to make you profitable? Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, another thing too, is the other option, which is maximize conversion. Say you're working with a, a big client, right? Multi-million dollar spend, and maybe they're, a, they're a, a successful startup, right? That just needs to grow, grow, grow. And maybe the first year isn't about profit. Maybe it's just about reaching everyone you can. Then you might just want to open up your daily budgets and set it to maximize conversions, right? To mm -hmm. get the most amount of leads, or most amount of sales, things like that. So yeah. it, that's probably a rare scenario, or maybe that's more for bigger agencies, bigger clients, things like that. I, I don't know if it would be the best idea to run maximized conversions for SMBs. You can, yeah. but you know, you run into the problem of you could you could double, triple your daily budget, you know, which might end up being your whole budget for the month you just you have to be careful when you do any of these autopilot settings mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense you know earlier i asked you about how are, how does how is this new ad format being charged um you know you, you kind of push that a little bit to the side which now makes a lot of sense to me because you want to talk about targeting and bidding etc but let's go there now how is how is google charging companies that want to use this ad format so although you have your maximized conversions, bidding strategy, or target cost per action or acquisition, let's say, it's not guaranteed that your target cost per action is going to be whatever you set. It could be $10, $20 a goal, but you might be paying $50 or $60. And the whole reason for that is because Google Discovery Ads actually charge on a CPC. It's not a CPA guarantee, okay. right? That, that's that's interesting. Sean, we talked about, you know, it, it sounds that this is a great ad format premium. It has more premium feel to it. But are there are there any negative aspects to this new ad format from your perspective? 
Well, the first thing is, I guess it's untested, right? Sure, mm-hmm. they have some bigger advertisers talking about it. Uh, iProspect said that they had a 48% better cost per acquisition compared to social at one point. I think, you know, we've pitched this a couple times to to clients, and I think just the same when there's other new tactics out there or brand new channels, people are apprehensive to try new things, right? You need those people to jump first. And once enough people jump, then other people come in. So I would say the negative thing is this is just, it's new, it's untested, and we don't know, you know, what worked for iProspect may not work for everyone. So it, it really depends. It's not a guarantee, right? The other part of this is they don't give you any other options besides maximize conversions and target CPA, which, like I said, you need to reverse engineer. If you have a ROAS goal, you need to figure this out. It, you know, th- Google isn't going to figure it out for you. You need to figure it out yourself. That makes sense. It's, yeah, it's, it's also limited to Google Discover, right? Which uh, right now, it, we know the reach isn't going to be as big as Facebook. So like you said earlier, that's probably why they're throwing in YouTube and, and Gmail as a placement as well. But maybe we, we don't want to do that because we already have YouTube campaigns running. So, mm-hmm. you know, a negative thing there is we can't exclude YouTube yet. Yeah. If they allow us to in the future, let's say, and this has been tested, more case studies, then there's a little bit more confidence of this working. But if advertisers want to take their first jump, then they could see some pretty big gains. You know, it, it's it's possible. You know, the, it, everything has to be tested. At, at one point, Facebook ads had the same issue yeah. to start off with, and now everyone uses them, you know, so... Confidence comes in, in time and testing. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the peers, there is, there's actually also a reward there, which we haven't talked about yet. It's like with any new advertising format or platform, there obviously, it, it takes time for companies to adopt it. And when companies don't adopt this quickly, it means that inventory could be undervalued, which means you can get ad inventory at a much lower price than it will be in the future because competition is not that great. Absolutely. I mean, think about the price per brand terms for Google mm-hmm. and Bing. Used to be able to get it for pay. Now, I see on average, it's more than a dollar, which is mm-hmm. insane. It, you're buying your own brand. So it, I, I 100% agree with you. It's You get some kind of benefit just like you do in the stock market, right? If you buy yeah. an unknown stock, it could go up a thousand percent or it could, it could also go down a thousand percent. So I think it's Sure, greater risk, but with greater risk, you can have greater rewards. And I think there's something to be said about being an early adopter where if I see an ad on Google Discover because it's so new and fresh, my eyes go there much quicker than Facebook ads because I've seen Facebook ads a, a million times, but I haven't seen Google Discovery ads that often. So when they do pop up, um, you know, this is survey of one here, but when they do pop up, it, it just looks way more interesting to me because yeah. I'm just not used to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Sean, I, I think we, we we come to the end here uh, of today's uh, podcast episode. I think for, for companies or for, for business leaders out there that listen to this uh, podcast episode, I would probably say, you know what, whether this solution is right or is an opportunity for your company, 
talk to your internal marketing team, talk to your agency, see what their opinion is. If you want to have um, a second opinion on it, you can also reach out to us. Uh, we'll be happy to to take a look at what what you are doing and then if this could be an additional opportunity to drive more business. But yeah, have a, have a chat with the people that you trust with your marketing. And if if it is an option, try it. I think, as Sean just said, now is a good time to to give it a shot while inventory is still undervalued and you might get a deal on that. If you want to be part of one of our next episodes, for example, we talked about the last two episodes that we would love to have uh, a guest here and, and talk about potential challenges that um, you might have. Um, just just drop us an email to contact at symphonicdigital.com and tell us about the challenge or challenges you have and you would like us to talk about. Otherwise, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.